Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another Gangplank Report. You've heard Adrian and Jen talk about the most recent episode of this hit Bravo series. Now it's time to hear from you, the superfans. It's time for the bonus episode of the Gangplank Report. And here they are, Adrian Gang and Jennifer Bennington. Hey gang, welcome back to another superfan episode. This week we have a special superfan, especially special because... This is the second time he's doing this tonight, (laughs) thanks to technical difficulties. He has been a huge supporter of us and joins us on the live tweets, and we always love his insights and humor. Please welcome Bob B. How are you, Bob? I am doing great. Doing great. Are you still good? (laughs) You're still good good after an hour of this fecal fest. This one is just, this is round two, that's all. This is round two, but it was too good to not have you. You know, I couldn't just say technical difficulties. We enjoy you so much and it was a good conversation. So we are just going to pick it up so that people understand why we love you so much. And on the upside of this, I am on glass of wine number three now. So it'll be a little more interesting than usual. Yeah. (laughs) You had drunk Jen when we had Stephanie from Mocha Minutes, and now you'll get drunk Adrian. We're just going to rotate. <laughs> well, Bob, thank you for joining us. We have interacted a multitude of times, especially during the live tweets, and I always look forward to our interactions because I feel like I feel like you get us. I really do. Starting at the beginning, how did you get involved in Below Deck? Well, I got involved with what I call collateral damage. I was a Real Housewives of Orange County fan, the OGs, you know, and my wife and I would watch that. She would like it quite a bit, you know, with all the interaction, all the people with the money that we don't have, that type of thing. And all of a sudden, you know, probably like year three or so, we're getting all these commercials for something called Below Deck. And I said to her one day, I go, you know what? Can you believe that they actually made a show about people on a yacht? (laughs) And then, well, here I am. And here we are, 10 seasons later. (laughs) Well, 22 in total with everything. That's true. That's true. So does your wife watch with you? Yes, she does. Well, she's kind of like does a drive-by. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like uh, I watch in what we call the man cave and we have a ranch and she has to walk through there to go to our bedroom. Right. So if you see something interesting on that, she'll stop 
this, he has a little stool actually in the man cave. <laughs> pulls it up and says, "Tell me what's going on." You know, yeah. especially if there's people in like undress or kissing or whatever's going on. So all of a sudden, you know, you, you get the skid marks. You know. Yeah. You, <laughs> you know? And what is your better half's name? Gail. Hi, Hi Gail. Gail. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> you owe me a rum and coke, especially after tonight. <laughs> So getting into this season, I know that we've interacted about this topic specifically, but this whole Dave and Natasha thing is just, it hurts my brain. It hurts my heart. It hurts my brain to watch this entire thing, but I'm just going to go ahead and lay it out there. I'm team Dave. I feel like he screwed up a little bit with the text messaging and I understand and I don't, I most certainly do not condone that behavior but I feel like a majority of the responsibility of this is on her. What do you think? Well, the thing is, is that I'm really team nobody, okay? I can't be on Dave's side because, you know, I've been a guy all my life, okay? (laughs) So I would never dream of doing what he did in any state of mind, you know, drunk, mentally ill, whatever. I would never dream of doing that. And especially to somebody you profess that you care about, quite a bit right and that's why I just can't get on his side I can't get on her side because it was kind of like you know come here come here come here and then go away go away go away so I'm just like you know make up your mind which way you're going so I'm Switzerland I'm team neutral and you landed with the majority I did a poll the night of the live tweet and neither won the day Dave came in second Natasha was only like seven percent I think but most of the people, I think it was 56% were team neither and had that same kind of viewpoint because it is hard. His texts were not defensible. And I only take his side in the fact that I think that what he's giving us is authentic. It might be authentically bad in spots, but it's authentic. And I'm getting a manipulative, gaslighty, not really honest vibe from her, especially after the Watch What Happens Live episode as well. I was really hoping we would talk about this. Let's talk about it. Okay. I genuinely think that she has utterly no sincerity. Watching that Watch What Happens Live, I couldn't believe the BS that was flying out of her mouth. Like, peace, love, and groove, and everything's good. And I think she's just trying to do the most insincere PR spin that I've seen in a long time. I don't watch The Housewives, so I can't comment on that. But I feel like everything that she said was just so bland and insincere and a general attempt to try to clean up her image. What do you guys think? I think it was damage control is really what it was. Because she's seen what's happened to other people that are perceived as disingenuous people or that they've done other people wrong. And she's really trying to avoid the blowback via social media. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that she was getting some blowback. I think she stepped away from social media for a little bit. And I know that Sandy came to someone's defense. It was kind of generic in saying, just be kind to my crew. Don't speak badly about my crew. But it happened at the same time that Natasha was taking a little break. So I assume it's about her. And to be honest, the whole thing would have been a giant nothing burger if she had just been honest from the beginning. Nobody would have cared. We've seen this before where there's a cheating situation or a hookup situation. <coughs> Eddie. Yes. Sorry. Eddie. <laughs> Sorry. Stuck yeah. in my throat. Laundry room. 
<laughs> Rocky. <laughs> okay, well now we've all thrown in. <laughs> yeah, so we've seen it before. Nobody would have given a rip. No one would have cared. It's always the cover-up that's worse. And she's made it infinitely worse by pretending now her narrative is that they were never in a relationship. And that just doesn't track with what we've seen so far on the show how would Dave pull that out of thin air that they were going to tell them in a week? And when he tried to talk to her about it, why would she not say we never agreed to that? She would have said something like that never happened or whatever, but she didn't. I'm having a hard time believing anything she's saying. So I'm more in Dave's camp, but I agree with you, Bob, that that was way over the line and drunk isn't a good enough excuse in my opinion. Not at all. And you know, the thing too is that we have to really step back for a minute and let's think about the way Natasha thinks about things. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Okay, I hooked up with this other dude on a boat. I'm going to go on a national TV show with same dude. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're going to keep it a secret. Right. Like 18 (laughs) million people. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. If there is a definition of premeditated, that's it. Yeah, I saw an interview with Dave on Up and Adam on YouTube. He had a one-on-one with Dave. And Dave said that for a while, while they were on their previous boat together, that neither of them knew that the other one was going on below deck. But at a point, they did find out after like the final interview stage of casting. So she did know that this was coming up. She might not have known it at the beginning of it, but she had enough time by the end of it to sort all of this stuff out. So again, the math isn't mathing and I'm not buying revisionist history on it. I wholeheartedly agree with you. But in talking about the Watch What Happens Live, can we talk about what Jason said about Storm? Because that confuses the heck out of me. Go for it. Absolutely. Andy asked him who he would never work with again. We've always joked that we don't even think Andy watches below deck. So (laughs) I think Andy was expecting him to say Reagan. And he said that he would never, ever work with Storm again. Not ever. So that could be something to look forward to. And it makes more sense with what we saw in the trailer with Jason complaining to somebody about not wanting to be there anymore. We haven't seen him say that. And Reagan's already gone now. So there's something coming. A storm storm is coming. Well, we know a dolphin is coming. That's for sure. Yeah, we do know that. True. (laughs) Very true. I think it's really interesting. I think storm was a great choice for this role. I mean, I think more than Jason, obviously, or even Z, I thought storm did a really good job of stepping up and filling a void where there was one. So it surprises me that Jason would say something like that. Yeah, I kind of see Storm as that diamond in the rough, you know, somebody who I think has great potential to do the job. But the thing is, all of a sudden, this was sprung on him to be a provisional boast. And I guess that's like a provisional government. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever word Sandy made up at the time. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, basically what it basically said was uh, provisional, a.k.a. I can can your butt anytime I feel like. Exactly. Exactly. That was cover your butt language from Sandy, for sure. Pretty much. But I think he's got the right stuff to do it. He needs a little bit, maybe more confidence and to realize that, hey, I'm now in this position. You know what I mean? I reacted before, but now I'm actually the guy. Right. The man. 
and to manage the people, not be worker bee. So that's the key thing. Well, and I think if I can, I think part of it, because he had some nervousness about it that, you know, we saw Z kind of talk him off the ledge. He signed on to this to be a deckhand, not to be in a leadership role. And if he wasn't entirely confident in him being in a leadership role, it makes sense that he would, with casting, go with a deckhand position. Now, all of a sudden, he's being thrust into this leadership position that he didn't necessarily sign up for. And I was surprised by his lack of confidence in his ability to do it or like his nervousness about it. But it makes sense to me that he might not have considered that that's where he would end up in this situation, you know, not knowing any of the other players involved. But if he signed up to be a deckhand and all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, you're in charge of the deck team now. And he didn't feel like at the time he had the experience to accomplish that. That doesn't mean he hasn't displayed those leadership qualities. It's just now there's cameras involved and every single thing that you do is going to be under a microscope, right? As far as your leadership. So I get it. I may or may not have been there before. It's kind of like <laughs> when you're hired as a chef and all of a sudden you're the chief stew, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly <laughs> like that. Surprise. familiarity there. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Even Jen didn't know that when we first started communicating. No. So had no clue that you were a chef. And I'm really, as people, if anybody's listened to this podcast for long enough, I really do deep dives on the goofiest of stuff. So I can't believe I missed some glaring thing like that, but I did. And I still think there are a lot of people out there that still don't realize that, that haven't heard you do interviews or read interviews with you. And they still, you know, when Reddit gets in there, who is the worst chief student? People are starting to come in and defend you. I saw a couple of people on Reddit say, hey, look, one, it's been 10 years. Two, she's been very introspective and honest, and she was a chef. She was not a chief stew. That wasn't her role. So I think minds are changing, and I'm glad because they need to see the real you. And, you know, I got to jump in here for a second. Mm -hmm. The one that is considered the quote-unquote favorite chief stew of the below deck one, Mm -hmm. her name shall go not named, Mm -hmm. seems to be, oh, yeah, she's the best. Isn't she the one that bullied somebody almost into a mental breakdown? Yep. So why the heck did you get a pass? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why do you get a pass? And you have no idea how much that pisses me off. Sorry about that. Well, no, I totally understand what you're saying. And I wholeheartedly oh. agree for a multitude of reasons, regardless of my investment emotionally or mentally in the show. For what it's worth, when they came to me and they said, we would rather have a male chef, will you be the chief stew? Immediately, my reaction was, well, the job's not rocket science. I do know, however, that you're not supposed to put a rocket ship on a bed. So <laughs> there you go. Here's that. And you know, the thing is, is that, and I want to come out and say this, is that I think that you are probably one of the most misunderstood characters on this whole series. Because when I went back and watched it probably 35 times, <laughs> and I looked at it, and I'm saying to myself, I'm looking at the expressions on your face. You know what I mean? And like, you're asking somebody to do something and you're saying, you're saying what to me? Or why are you cutting the attitude? You're trying mm-hmm. to get a job done. Okay. And people are saying, oh, that you're this bad person. You're just not nice person. All this other stuff. Well, what the hell are these people thinking? You know, I'm just like, 
she's trying to do a job, okay? She's trying to be professional, but you know what? Below deck and professional really don't go along very well. Well, that's accurate. I mean, they told me from the very beginning that I was going to be the bitch everybody loved to hate, and that didn't sound terribly appealing to me, but I don't know that much about Bravo, so there's that. <laughs> they said, if you flip at least one table, you'll be in great shape. I was like, I don't, I don't like, I like furniture. I don't want to hurt anybody. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like it didn't make any sense to me because I didn't, I didn't know the typical Bravo archetypes. And I think that's what they were looking for. But I think what they were looking for really was somebody who is going to be a bully. And that was never going to be me. They never told us what to say or what to do, but they did manipulate exterior situations and they tried to kind of encourage certain behaviors. My season They tried to encourage all of us girls to sleep with some guy on the boat. And I had to stop them at a certain point because the only guy that I found actually attractive to me was Dave and he's gay. And that does me no good. (laughs) And none of the guys were taller than me except for CJ and CJ is a whack job, Yeah, (laughs) honestly. So that wasn't going to work out either, but it's interesting. I appreciate all of the things that you said. I think Anybody that's ever managed anyone ever watches what I went through and relates. It doesn't matter what industry. And I've said this before, Sam and Kat are cool people to sit down and have a drink with, but you don't want them managing your multi-million dollar asset, right? Because they aren't taking any of that seriously. And I think that's where the disconnect comes in. And I was in such survival mode because I was so concerned about how the yachting industry was going to come off. I genuinely thought at the end of the season, if I'm being honest, that it was like a hoax, like six and a half weeks of punked. And at the end of the trip, they were just going to turn off the cameras and be like, surprise, it was all a joke. Cause I couldn't understand how these were the people that they found out of all the people in the yachting industry to represent us. It was jarring. It was emotionally traumatizing on a lot of different levels, but I survived. You did. And I'm glad that you did. And I'm glad that I got to revisit and revise my opinion. And now I see it more from a perspective of who would I want to work with? And like you were saying, Bob, I think Storm has that quality in him. He's somebody I would trust to work under, work with. He gets it. Yeah, he does. He gets it and he's there for the right reasons, it seems to me. I agree. I like him. As far as the rest of the crew, I'm excited about our return crew member. I'm excited about Courtney coming back. Hopefully she adds an element of fun. I mean, she was goofy on the last season and I loved her sense of humor. Her interaction with Z was great and I thought that was a lot of fun to watch. I hope she doesn't bring too much drama because I think they've kind of... This show particularly, I'm not sure about the rest of the Bravo shows, but this show in particular, they do a lot of foreshadowing that kind of comes back later. So when you saw Natalia saying like, I hope she doesn't come near my man kind of thing. I hope that that's not what happens. I don't know that Storm would necessarily do that just because it would be kind of a West Malia thing. You know what I mean? Mm. Good point. I think the problem you're going to have is that Courtney's going to work for Storm. Right. So all Courtney has to do is look at him wrong, and Natalia is going to be like, What was that all about? So I'm like, Yeah. Oh. 
she was marking her territory before even knowing what she looks like and saying, you better not go near my man. You better not look at him. So she's already claiming Storm as her own. So it could get interesting. We'll have to see. I have to say the way things are going with Natasha and Dave, I kind of, because I feel bad for Dave and he seems like a lovesick puppy, I kind of want Courtney to go for him. (laughs) Ooh, wouldn't that be an interesting twist? And then Natasha gets really jealous and pissed. Yeah. Take away his phone. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, put a breathalyzer on it, take it away. There we go, yep. Whatever we need to do for that, but... Yeah, I kind of think it would be fun to see her get a little... Her comeuppets? Yeah. Her schadenfreude. My schadenfreude at her karma. Yep, exactly. (laughs) I learned that word from you. Yeah, that's my four years of German. That's what I've got out of it. All I got out of four years of German was Guten Tag. That's about yeah. it. Yeah. Gates. <laughs> <laughs> See, we could do a whole thing. I actually yes. talked to a ghost in German once, but that's a story for another day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's where I stop asking questions. <laughs> so how are you with Kyle? What do you think about him, Bob? Well, the thing is, is that it was refreshing in this particular episode to see Kyle kind of back down a little bit. Mm-hmm. First episode, he was on. He was very extra. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, come on, just tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? Because it just gets to me, it gets to be sensory overload for myself. But right. he was like one of the counselors. You know what I mean? And we, we had a bunch of counselors on this particular meeting. We had Z. We had Kyle. We had Sandy. Everybody was getting counsel. Mm-hmm. It felt like a Dr. Drew episode, you know? So, <laughs> so, I mean, I think they're doing well, you know what I mean? But the thing is, he's really hung up on that second and third stew thing. That's so funny. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, well, I think it's funny that he's really sarcastic about it. Like, he's got a dry sense of humor, and he kind of keeps bringing it up, but you know it's something that plagues him. Oh, it's eating him up inside. Eating him up inside big time. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree with that. But I do think he's a fun ad. I live for somebody who's going to stir the pot and shake things up and not let everybody try and pull one over on us. He seems like an open book and like he's going to force all of them to be open whether they want to be or not, which absolutely I always enjoy. So give me your thoughts. I have said so far this season quite a few times that I wiped the slate clean with Sandy and I've actually defended her on a number of occasions this season, which is shocking, shocking. (laughs) But where are you at with her this season, Bob? Surprised, surprised. You referred to the Sandy Mm 3.0. And I think in this particular episode, I think she was full on HR department. I was very impressed with the way that she handled the situation between the two of them, got both sides of the story. Uh, Basically, I think she overreacted a little bit with the safety deal. Okay. Um, But the thing is, I can understand that if she said, I don't feel comfortable, I don't feel safe because Dave was in stalker mode. Mm -hmm. And that really, that was a little bit scary because that's where he was going. But I thought she was very good. I thought she was good with Reagan. She really gave her a lot of good recommendations, a lot of good feedback, feedback, advice. But there was nobody home. Like I I said to myself, and I watched it twice, and I want to check with you two guys, is she really did not understand why she was let go. Yeah. I don't think she had a clue. You can tell that whatever 
boat she worked on were either smaller or at a much, much slower pace because she had no sense of urgency for anything, not even when she was being called up to the bridge for screwing something up. It was a leisurely stroll. It was, let's do a wish wash. You can do this. It was very turtle in a greyhound race. She just didn't get it. 13 rooms, not a lot of furniture in that house. Yeah, yeah. I think the best yeah. part was when they hit the dolphin and she was like, eh, no big deal. Yeah. Uh, we just you know, it, and I know that puts Sandy over the edge. Yeah. And that would have put me over the edge. Yeah. You knew it was coming though. You had to know oh, yeah. when she Absolutely. said, I'm a captain. Of course I know distances. I was like, oh, famous last words. This captain is going to be Captain bad. Crunch. I mean, really, I mean, you know, I mean, that's it's amazing the, foreshadowing. The, the, the thing that I thought was the best is that I said to myself, I had the over-under because I know I think you guys were handicapping it too. I had the over-under at episode five. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is, I said to myself, now, if they would have had the slide, hell, then we go the over-under is three. Right. Because that, because the one charter guess, it was slide, slide, I need the slide. Right. And if they didn't Good get point. out in some type of amount of time, that would have put Sandy over the edge. Because she's all about the toys. Do you want to hear my conspiracy theory on the slide? Sure. I think that Bravo has decided that the slide is too much work for too little use and it causes a problem every season. So it is conveniently hung up in customs. And I wouldn't mm. be surprised if we don't see it all season. <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is that within my job, I mean, I'm a director of purchasing for a company mm -hmm. and we deal with bringing stuff from overseas, sending things overseas with our products. Mm -hmm. And we've had things hung up because of real reasons, but a slide, what do they think? It's like, you know, like a uh, you know military thing or something like that. Why would it be hung up in customs? Yeah. That's just totally, that's very lame. I would like to understand why, but that's only because I know the business. So. Right. Right. It just doesn't pass the sniff test for me. And we know that Bravo likes to kind of stretch the truth on things when they don't want to address it. They don't like to break the fourth wall. And I just think they don't want to say it's too much work. We don't want to offer you a slide. Also, where in the heck would they put it? Yeah. 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 There's no room on that boat. That whole locker, whatever that's called, Adrian, you're better at the words. And I haven't read my book from the lovely Julie Perry yet, but I will read that. That little locker, it doesn't seem like there's room for anything there. No, not even Dave's tears. There's no room. <laughs> I'll just say yeah. something else, but decorum. <laughs> decorum. <laughs> I think we're well past decorum today. <laughs> and I'll say it. I will say it. There's not room to fart in there. So, okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> It just seems like a bad setup. I mean, it's a cool looking boat and I get why they used it, especially because of the location that it was in. But yeah, I agree with you. I'm just wondering if it was a smart idea. I mean, I get wanting something a little more futuristic, wanting something newer, a shiny new thing to look at, but where they are and those dolphins I don't think we've seen close to the end of those dolphin problems because even in the previews, it looks like she's backing towards it. Yeah. And the scrape we saw in the trailer was down the side of it. So I don't know how many fender bender, dolphin bender things that we're going to have this season. 
I just think it was a bad move to have a boat like that in a port like this. I mean, Malta is beautiful, but at the same time, this wasn't their best choice, I don't think. I have a theory on it. Okay, cool. I think, believe it or not, it's Bravo trying to be green because ah. it's, a hybrid, it's a hybrid boat. Yeah, they're trying to get sustainable Shane back. Yes. <laughs> and, the, and the paper straws, don't forget. Now, other than hitting a dolphin, Mm-hmm. What did they use those things for? It's so that you can tie lines to it so that it secures your stern. Oh, okay. So right. they're tying the bow lines off or they're tying the stern lines off and right. it secures the bow so that they don't, because they all have to med more. So they all have to dock. They're usually docking with their stern to the dock so that they can accept the guests on the aft deck. So you still need a way to hold the bow in place and so the dolphins are there as an anchor basically they don't want boats that are that close together that are all stacked on top of each other to drop anchors because then they'll cross anchor chains and that's an even bigger pain in the butt because usually you'll see in the footage like I've seen it a couple of times you'll see someone that works at the marina out on a little dinghy that's waiting for the bow line to take it over and tie it off on the dolphin so it stops the bow from swinging because if all they're doing is tying off the stern, then the bow is still going to move and it'll slam into other mega yachts and cause a lot of insurance claims. That was a good question, Bob. This is why the Gangplank Report is the best podcast out there because I've listened to others. You don't get this kind of stuff. You don't get the technical stuff so you can understand the real yachting world. Oh, That's why we I've love watched you. it since day one and listened to it since day one. Oh, thank you. It hits up like you don't get this on the other one. You just get a lot of fluff. Do you have any more questions though? Because I just learned something on that one. So hit her up with another one. Sure, no (laughs) problem. One question I have, okay, is what was it like on season two when you returned as a guest of the primary? Ooh, so the deal that we had, so Beverly was the guest that was on my season one. And came back for season two that invited me. And she made friends with both Kat and I after season one. And what she told us was that if I was cast back, then she would bring Kat as a guest. And if Kat was cast back, that she would bring me as a guest. So Kat, as soon as she found out that Beverly was returning, knew that there was a very strong possibility she would see me again. And so that whole thing was just... I mean, it was kind of a mess, but when I got there, before I even made it to the beach to meet up with the guests, the production team stopped me and said, look, this entire thing is going on with Kat and Amy, and they've talked about it in their one-on-one interviews, but they're not talking about it with anybody else. We need you to blow this battleship out of the water. And if you do that, we'll bring you back for season three as the Chiefs do. And at the time... I was young enough that it was enough of an incentive to be like, all right, whatever. This is obviously going to come out anyway, because these two people have been talking about it on a reality show. So if I'm not going to do it, somebody is. And I do, in fact, regret that decision, obviously, because they didn't bring me back for season three, (laughs) but also because I made friends with Kat later and I ended up working with her for an entire season. I hired her to work with me and we talked about it and I apologized to her and just said, you know, that was a crappy thing to do. And I'm really sorry that I did that. Ultimately it was still going to come out anyway. 
So it's not like my participation in it would have made it any different other than the fact that it kind of vilified me when I came back. But that entire day, because it was only a day that I was there, was really strange. Like I had to walk around in a bikini for three hours because they were setting up cameras in the bathroom where I was going to get ready because they wanted to film me getting ready for dinner for whatever reason. And so I kept asking them, like, is it okay if I go take a shower now? Like I'm covered in sand. I've been in a bikini for hours. Can I please go change? And they're like, no, no, just keep go talking to the crew and we'll let you know when the bathroom is ready. And sure enough, they never even used any of the footage of me getting ready in the bathroom. It was just dumb. So I don't know if they were doing that to manipulate the situation and make it look like I just really wanted to wear a bikini everywhere. But I don't know. It was weird. Upside is you look great in a bikini. So. Oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I mean, it was an interesting interaction, not what I expected. And I most certainly didn't expect the reception that I got from the rest of the crew. That's for sure. I think one of the most well-known moments from the entire show to date was Eddie turning around and swimming back to the tender And I don't even know why he did that. Like Eddie and I were still friends at the time. So I don't know why that was his immediate reaction, but that's true. And it's a meme now or a gif or whatever. (laughs) I'll have to look for that. (laughs) And when you make me mad, I'll send you that gif and you'll you'll know I'm mad. (laughs) And I'll just send you the middle finger emoji. (laughs) Yep, exactly. That's what friends do. So you said that question was from you. Do you have another question? Yeah, I have another question. It's from my good Facebook friend, Steph, who her and I go over every episode and she's more excited than anybody, even me, that I'm on this episode. Hi, Steph. Hi, Steph. You can come on too, Steph. Right, it's at gangplankreport at gmail.com. You can be a super fan too. I don't know if you can handle that, but we'll see. (laughs) Her question was off charter. Are there any day workers that help with the interior? So yes, my season, there very definitely were. So they figured out after charter two, because we only have one day in the middle of the charters to flip the entire boat, to turn over the sheets and clean everything up so that it's in good shape and restock everything. So they realized that what they needed to do was hire day workers because they kept, there was only three of us on the interior and If I'm being honest, there was only like two and a half of us on the interior. (laughs) And so they realized that if we were going to be able to be ready for the quick turnaround that they set before us, that they needed to get day workers in there because they kept taking, they would take us away for four or five hours to go to the hotel and get our hair and makeup done and then sit down and do one-on-one interviews for three or four hours and By the time we got back to the boat, I mean, that's if you take all three of us for three or four hours at a stretch or four or five hours at a stretch, that's the whole day. So they learned very quickly that they needed to get help flipping the boat because I kept freaking out that the boat wasn't going to be ready in time. So they were like, all right, we'll just hire day workers to come in. So they just hired a service that cleans yachts to come in and flip it. And to my knowledge, they still do that. I don't think they do that with sailing yacht unless the crew has a full day off in between charters. So I'm pretty sure that the sailing crew still does that, but they also have a lot less interior space to clean up. That was a good question, Steph. Thank you for that. That's 
new information to me as well. And I would have never even thought to ask, to be honest. Logistically, it was just not possible for us to do it and do our interviews. Well, that makes sense. Because how long were those confessional interviews? Like three or four hours or? Three or four hours usually. Yeah. And the time that it took to get to the hotel where the production people stayed and the time to do our hair and makeup, you know, the whole thing. Yeah. (laughs) The hair and makeup. I recall that look. (laughs) They way overdid. I've never worn that much makeup, nor have I since in my entire life. Yeah. I've seen your wedding photos. That's true. (laughs) Is there something, Bob, that you are looking forward to from the rest of the season? I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Storm does. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be interesting with that full-on hit of the Dolphin. It looks like it's going to happen next week. What the fallout's going to be over that. If Sandy's going to overreact to it. Yeah. So I think that's going to be interesting. It looks like Tosh and Dave made amends at the end, but is that going to continue? You know what I mean? Or, yeah. Because Dave's on thin ice. He's already served notice that something happens like, again, even close that he's toast. So Honestly, when he's sober, I think he's a good dude. And I think he could make it not be awkward. I think she hadn't put it in clear terms ghosting to me isn't a clear term ghosting is avoidance and if you're a communicator like i am ghosting is like the worst thing you can do because i'll just write my own story in my head and then i then need to pursue and verify if the story i wrote in my head is right so if he's anything like that then that could be why he went a little nutso but if he gets a clear signal like look no you screwed up. This is done. I think he knows what he did. So I feel like he's going to kind of tuck his tail between his legs and just do his job now. At least that's what I hope because he is right now in the Ukraine where people are fleeing. He's there making food for people who don't have food. There was an airstrike right overhead the morning of the up and Adam interview that he did. He's a good hearted guy from everything I've seen. So I don't want to judge him too harshly for a mistake because we all make them. I just hope he doesn't repeat it because alcohol and he do not go well together. You see, that's where the disconnect is, is -hmm. that in the beginning, he was portrayed as the adventure guy, Mm -hmm. Olympics guy. You see now that he can be, you know, the charitable type and helping people. And it's such a disconnect from what we saw on that episode where he got out of control. You know, right. my, my big question, and I just want to throw it out here to you guys and give me your thoughts on my, my final question here, is what is it going to take for Bravo production to get into the middle of something that could be very dangerous? Because him walking around almost stalking her, the Ashton situation a couple of seasons ago where he's, you know, punching out the van right. and nobody steps in. Is somebody going to have to get seriously hurt before they'll step in? they stepped in if you remember when Ashton got pulled off with the line it was actually a cameraman who jumped in there that I saw but I thought that like from like that somebody could get hurt I mean other than that I mean somebody could have died and the difference between somebody getting hurt and somebody could have died is vastly different in this situation I understand what you're asking Bob and I don't have an answer for you because even with Ashley on the last sailing season where I thought For sure, production should have stepped in and stopped that shit when it was happening. Mm -hmm. 
what Ashley was doing with Gary seemed really dicey to me. And I am shocked that nobody stopped it, that nobody came in and said, okay, we're done here. All right. This is not content that we need to stop that situation. I mean, he played it off really well in all of his interviews and all that great stuff, but I still don't believe that that wasn't an assault. You have a better opinion of Bravo than I do, because I really think that short of somebody being physically harmed, that Bravo's not going to step in. You saw it with how we were talking before about Caroline. Yeah. Yeah. They do not, from my perspective, I can't say this is fact. This is my personal opinion. I don't think they take mental health seriously at all. I don't think they see it as an issue. I know that they do psych evals beforehand. They do psych evals though, to know how far they can push you. Exactly. It's to know the the line of it that they can push you up to. So to me, that isn't proactively pro mental health. Right. That's how far can we get away with something before it becomes a liability and we get sued. Right. That's not pro mental health to me at all. So my opinion is unless someone's life is in danger, I don't think that they'll step in. I think maybe if somebody threw a fist, they might jump in and stop it after the punch is thrown, but I don't think they're going to stop somebody from throwing that fist is where I think the line is. I just hope Bravo's got good lawyers because the way it's going, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Even with Lexi, I feel the same way about the way that everything went down with Lexi, you know, that that could have been abruptly stopped and nobody did it. Yeah. It's a mess, but on the other hand, there's also the part of it that's entertaining and why we watch. I don't watch for the trashy part. I don't watch for them to push that line, but I do like the rest of it. And I know, Bob, that you are a fan too. And we will continue to be fans. I would just like for Bravo to take a little more culpability and be a little more proactive in that department. Yeah, just a little more introspection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a good show. It, it's evolved. I think the OG has gotten stale. Yeah. And then Med, you know, Med's getting really trashed this year. I'm looking at the reviews. And I think it's interesting because I don't think it's that bad. But the problem is sailing is just knocking it out of the park. Yeah. Sailing's knocking it out of the park. And people are really happy with Down Under, too. Yeah. I have seen a lot of people say after the Down Under season, which I still have yet to see the full season of, so I can't speak very intelligently on it, but I think they're craving something new. I think that's the problem with a lot of Bravo shows is that there's only so long you can watch the same thing and the same people and not get bored with it. I think housewives should be turned over every three years. And I think it should be the same in this, like do a three or four year captain and don't have a 10-year, seven-year captain kind of thing. Well, and also keep in mind that Below Deck Med just got another Emmy nomination. Mm -hmm. So it's hard. I mean, they haven't gotten one yet, but when you're at the top of your game, the only place to go is down, right? right? So when people find that Mm -hmm. out, then they have higher expectations than they did before. And when you have blockbuster seasons like Below Deck Sailing 2 and 3, and then Down Under, which I have not invested a ton of time into yet, but I will eventually, I think that sets the bar in a different level 
than where they were before, where Below Deck started off as the redheaded stepchild of Bravo. Yeah. And I think that they're still slapping themselves going, how did this happen? Right. They're the moneymaker now. Below Deck yeah. moneymaker, and they're keeping the housewives afloat. Yeah. I agree with you. It would be really cool if Andy actually watched it to figure out why. <laughs> you noticed on WWHL, it's almost like, he gets into it now. He gets into it, but in the most absurd and perverted ways. Oh, because yeah. he but that's he talks about the guys and their schlongs and their it's <laughs> it's it's too much for me. It's it's too much. Too Can we talk about the content of the show, please? He's too extra, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I was just surprised in the last couple episodes. I'm saying, what happened? Did somebody turn the key in the back of them or something like that? Because yeah. But you know, tell me if this annoys you because it, it just annoys, pardon the expression, the shit out of me. Yeah. Is that below deck, they got two people on. They got to sneak some freaking housewife stuff in there for some reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, Z, Z, is this a swipe left or swipe right? I don't care. Right. Let's talk about the dolphins. Okay, come on. And that's because Housewives is Andy's baby. Oh. So he is going to push and plug. And honestly, a lot of the franchises have had abysmal ratings and his watch what happens live ratings haven't been that great either. That's why it's not at 11 o'clock and he tags it right on the back of the airing of below deck now is so Mm -hmm. he can get, he gets a lead in. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's a mess. Hopefully he's watching now though. Well, he's posturing directly in the middle of two below deck episodes now. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, he's trying. He's trying. They extended his contract, so we've got him for a while longer. So hopefully, if he knows if you don't if you don't treat Below Deck nice, there ain't going to be nothing. Yep, that's the truth because they are the money maker, and people are finally seeing what we've seen for all of these years. That is correct. Amen. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bob. Not only for doing this once, but for doing this twice. It was actually kind of fun because we got off on some different tangents than we went on before. True. <laughs> it was just like my marriage is better the second time around. I my marriage too. <laughs> All right. High five on that. My second was way better. Then what I say is everybody deserves a starter kit, right? Anyway. Yes. Well, I am so glad that my starter kit defuncted after seven years. So. I am so not letting my husband listen to this podcast. Yeah, sorry, Andrew. Sorry. You're the exception, Andrew. We love you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Bob. Thank you so much honestly for all of the support you have given us it means a lot to have people interact with us live tweet with us you've always been a huge supporter and it's because of you that we keep doing this you and the listeners like you and staff and staff yes And we really appreciate it. When we celebrated our 100,000 this weekend, that was not even in the realm of our thinking. We didn't think that that was even attainable. And we're grateful to all of you. Bob, if people want to find you, how do they find you on Twitter? Well, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Ye Resistors. Okay, long story on that one. And on Facebook, it's Robert L. Brown. We can add the long story in real quick because at Ye Resistors, You started a band in 1978. Yes, that's correct. I am the research gal. And I was hunting for one of your songs for bumper music. So I went on YouTube and you guys punked me with a Spinal Tap-esque video. (laughs) If your your... band is anything like Spinal Tap, I'm already a fan. (laughs) 
No, it was about their reunion. It just looked like a preview that you would see at the Cannes Film Festival or something (laughs) (laughs) about them getting together. Yeah, I mean, we've been together, you know, we've known each other for close to 50 years. Mm -hmm. And we had the band in 78. We broke up probably around 85 when we all got married and then got divorced and got remarried, all three of us. So, you know, we had that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, after that, we got back together in 2015. So we got the band back together. 35 years later, and hopefully we can do that again going forward. We get together once a year to do a little golf outing. So that's that's awesome. I love stories like that. I love lifelong friendships. Thank you for being a podcast long friend of ours. And thank you all for listening. We will catch you next week for the Below Deck Meds season seven, episode six recap. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Adios. Special thanks to our friends who helped us create Gangplank Report. Down below music and lyrics by Angel Tweeter Frail and Terry Abbott. Performed by Laura Lyle of Florida. Production assistance by Michael Castaneda. Super fan intro by Blind Lawrence. Cast off me hearties.